ask me to talk. Connection through conversation. Join self-described conversationalist Stacy Heller as she talks with guests about topics and ideas from the ridiculous to the sublime on Don't Ask Me to Talk. Now, here's your host, Stacy Heller. Hello, welcome to Don't Ask Me to Talk. If you can't listen live every week, check out the Don't Ask Me to Talk podcast. You can listen to past episodes. You can fall asleep to them. I'm sure people do. Uh, if you want more information, text D-A-M-T-T to 55678 and you'll get details. Uh, also, if you want to call into the show, then the number is 425-373-5527. Or you can find me through my website, StacyConnects.com. My guest today, I know her as Sheila Kelly, but she's Sheila Kelly Bauer. Uh, we went to high school together in Princeton, New Jersey. We went to Stewart Country Day School of the Sacred Heart, which I I have to say that in part when we moved out to Washington, how I chose where we live is because I remembered that in high school we had someone visit from Forest Ridge. And I was like, okay, there's a Sacred Heart School out in Washington. Where is it? I want to live in a community that's around there. And you ended up there. Right? Look at that. Yeah. Um, not in the town where the school is. And frankly, couldn't afford to send the girls to the school. So whatever. It's fine. Um, anyway, Sheila and I aren't going to spend as much time necessarily reminiscing as we are going to talk about what's happened since high school. Um, <laughs> but first, I'm going to do my rant and my ramble. Woo-hoo. Right? It's It's like... It's stream of consciousness. So um, first of all, on the off chance, Charlie and Chris and any of the guys who are working on my kitchen right now are working on my kitchen and listening. Hey, guys. It's looking great. Love you. Um, my kitchen is is a work in progress, a total work in progress. It does. It sounds like my master bathroom. My master bathroom is currently being renovated. Um, but it's a, it's a bit of a honeydew project. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, and these guys are honeys for sure. I'm sure they are, but there sounds like there's plural and I only have one. And it was a project that we started before in the winter and now it's almost winter again and it's still huh. progressing. Huh? Well, <laughs> I, I, I feel my rant. <laughs> I love it. I feel for you. I will say that I am very lucky in that I think we've been without a kitchen for, I don't know, four weeks, five weeks. And honestly, I don't feel like cooking anyway. And Pete keeps saying, you know, we could like use the top of the stove. And I'm like, I don't know. We, may, we should probably not use anything because I'm like, I don't want to start cooking. Um, now that we're empty nesters, I'm like, we can go out every night. It's so fun. But, you know. We kind of invested some money into this kitchen. We should probably use it. Um, So anyway, hey, guys, you're doing a great job. Um, Update on mom. She's still in Vermont. This is the longest three-week vacation that she's ever taken. It's like time is going simultaneously really fast and really slow. Um, She's with her gal pals, Lee, of course, and then Debbie and Carol. Um, So their favorite haunts now are the dollar store. 
I'm like, is this is what happens when you turn 80? I'm terrified to figure out how many chip clips and small containers and pair of readers she now has. Because where's there a dollar store in Vermont? Um, I think they went over the border. That's right. To New nah. Hampshire. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's it because they also have been going to the liquor store. And I believe that they shop in New Hampshire for their liquor because the, the cost is better. Yep. I hear Annie's voice in my head saying liquor. I hardly know her. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, and thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Um, they also went to an outpost of L.L. Bean, which feels like a sacrilege because I feel like going to L.L. Bean is supposed to be like a journey to Mecca. It is supposed to be that. Right. So the fact that you yes. can go to an outposting in New Hampshire, it feels wrong. Well, and they're springing up. There's there's a couple in Massachusetts, too. Really? Yes. They have not gone west yet, young man. <laughs> Um, I mean, don't go crazy. I mean, it is. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) And, and, you know, yeah, enough said there. Um, Now, speaking of mom and her gal pals, one of her friends, Carol, her grandson goes to Fairfield just like Grace. Now, they're the same year, the whole thing. I what I love is that the grandmothers would love for the two of them to get together because they're like, oh, my gosh, your grandson, my granddaughter. Um, However, Grace and Brian both disagree, <laughs> as as they're allowed to do. Um, however, they do like torturing the grandmas because when they do run into each other, they take selfies and they send them to the grandmothers. And last weekend was the president's ball for Fairfield. And what I love is that Carol shared with my mom a picture of Brian and Grace and I asked Grace about it. She's like, oh, I forgot we did that. And I'm like, because you were so busy? And she's like, no, because I was so drunk. (laughs) (laughs) So she was like, could you send me that picture? And so I sent it to her and she was like, I don't remember. And then she ran into Brian and she's like, how about that picture? And he's like, I don't remember. (laughs) So I will note they are 21. Um, However, just because you are legally able to drink doesn't mean you always do it responsibly. So (laughs) there's a little PSA for people there. Um, But the picture was adorable and um, they make a very cute couple, but it that'll never happen. You never know. You never know. No, no, I know. Okay. Like, you know, (laughs) Um, I also have discovered that I discovered this last night, by the way. This is a recent discovery. I have a new talent. Yes. So there's. Your applause. Like thank, we have like some applause. Thank you. Oh, uh, okay. Eric. Yeah, right. oh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I'm going to have to have Sheila be my noisemaker. Um, <laughs> so, you know how there's impersonations? Well, there's also perceptions. So I've created imperceptions. Now, I know. It's ridiculous. I know. Even Eric is like. (laughs) So. I think you might confuse some people with that. Yeah. Start talking about imperceptions. Well, so here's what it is. When you impersonate, right, um, you're like, I don't know, impersonating a person, like sounding like them, their mannerisms, whatever it is, except that I'm not impersonating them 
I'm impersonating them reacting to me. <laughs> kind of like how I just said, Eric is like, huh? <laughs> um, and I, I noticed that um, when I do this, it's typically about me in a situation with me and about my own narrative, like what I think Pete is thinking at the time that I make a random request or when I do something ridiculous, like what I think people are doing. So then I create this whole impersonation of their perception, thereby a imperception. Mm-hmm. See? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, you know what, <laughs> Sheila? Like, I, I think we all do that. I think the, the thing is we get in trouble if we verbalize that because your perception isn't always uh, on point with what the person is actually thinking. And then when you just said, hey, this is what you are thinking, they're right? thinking, why are you thinking I'm thinking that? Right. And that's <laughs> and that is and therein lies the problem. So, one, putting words in somebody else's mouth is never a good thing. Two, we are climbing the ladder of inference, making an assumption, which we know what happens when you make an assumption, um, (laughs) like that that people are thinking a certain thing. And by the way, they're allowed original thought. And it's typically um, coming from a place of our own insecurities and our narratives. So these imperceptions are not a good thing. I'm just good at them. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I'm not recommending that people start doing imperceptions. I'm just realizing that I happen to be really good at them. So good at congratulations. Thank you. Getting the perception right or good at acting the character of the perception that you're perceiving. You know, that's a really good clarifying question, Eric. And what I would say is I'm entertaining. Okay. Hard stop. (laughs) (laughs) Like, we're just going to hard stop at it's entertaining to see me. And um, and I'm... Maybe sometime you should do like a little like, you know, cartoon. I can imagine this is sort of like a cartoon strip. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like you're like somebody saying something and you're having your own like thought bubbles as you go, you know what I mean? Yeah, I haven't learned the art, though, of the thought bubbles. Uh, they're actually speech bubbles. <laughs> <laughs> so the thought bubble thing, that ship has sailed, and it's really right. just full on a speech bubble. So that's okay. It's fine. Um, the other thing that um, I wanted to talk about is my <laughs> 23andMe thing. I got another notification from 23andMe that I have more relatives And every time it happens, I get really excited. However, after my mother and both daughters who have done it, my closest relative to me shares 2.48% of my DNA. I'm like, that's far off. I mean, we probably share 2.4% DNA. Right? Have you done 23andMe? No, I'm not going to. If you share a glass, you share... 2.8%. Two point eight percent. Right. I mean, I'm like, I, like, I don't know. Maybe I like rubbed up against this person, but whatever. Um, it's also fascinating to me that genetics dictate things like if you get dandruff, uh, the type of your earlobe, like, is it attached or detached? Um, which detached? I'm like, that means you don't have ears, but whatever. Um, big toe length. Uh, whether you're gonna like cilantro? Who knew? True. That's true. Yeah, I'm. I hate I'm, it. I don't like it. It tastes soapy to me. And that's a genetic thing. Um, The other thing is like my genetics say that I have a, um, I have a better, better, 
chance, air quotes, of getting type 2 diabetes. And there's a 50-50% chance that I can match musical pitch. Now, spoiler alert, I cannot. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I knew we had 2.8% in common. Right? I mean, right yeah, there. it is bad. Um, okay, well, now that I have ranted and rambled, uh, my Stacyism for the week. Ready? Um, Sheila, I'm assuming, by the way, that you listen to every episode and that you have written these down diligently, like taking notes in class, and that if given a test, you could match them. Totally no. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Times are changing. All right. Um, <laughs> so my stasism, um, as a review, it's some random thought or idea that I I have come up with or that I have completely stolen from someone else and I am saying that I came up with. Um, and this one is fully stolen from a gentleman whose name is Jay. And he was a guest on a friend's podcast. And he was talking about his recovery journey. Um, and and he's out, by the way, so I'm not saying anything that I shouldn't. Um, and what he said is, you don't need to believe it will work for you. Believe it worked for me. I like it. Right? So whether yeah. it is recovery or whether it is um, the journey that you're taking, whether it's your faith, whether it is um, a nail clipper, you don't you don't have to believe it's going to work for you, but like believe it worked for me. And if you trust me and if it's something that you struggle with, then maybe it would be a good source. And if you share 2.8 percent DNA, then chances are good. It, chances are definitely better <laughs> that it will work for you, too. Man, that's... But just don't hear nail clippers. Can we agree on that? Well, yeah, nail clippers. That's just nasty. <laughs> I don't know. I was trying to come up with something random, and nail clippers is what came to mind. <laughs> that's because I have a hangnail that's driving me crazy. Okay. Well, on that bit of riveting, breaking news about my <laughs> hangnail, let's take a quick break. And then when we come back, we are going to talk to Sheila Kelly Bauer about life and the journey to becoming alive. You're listening to Don't Ask Me to Talk. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Lisa Downs, host of Reigniting You, the show that takes a positive, forward-looking approach to mid-to-late career transitions for Gen Xers and Boomers every Wednesday afternoon at 3 o'clock Pacific. Whether you're looking to stay in the traditional workforce, do your own thing, or retire or semi-retire, Reigniting You is your source for career transition advice, inspiration, and insight for what's next in your career and life. Join me Wednesdays at 3 o'clock to get re-energized, recharged, and reignited. Feelings of disconnect are the cause of an ever-surging mental health crisis. Many of us feel apathetic about ourselves, our work, home, and relationships. We don't know how to re-engage. I'm Greg Kuyper of Kuyper Counseling. At the Root focuses on emotional connection and how awareness is at the root of building healthy relationships with self and others. Join me weekly to re-engage with both. At the Root airs Mondays at 3.30 p.m. here on KKNW. Subscribe to the podcast or go to Kuyper Counseling are you stuck in a creative straitjacket, going crazy, trying to find a different way out, exhausted from trying to make old ideas feel fresh? 
and Relevant Popcorn and Noodle is a boutique agency that specializes in popcorning new ideas and noodling on existing ones for entrepreneurs and small businesses. Whether it's ideas about what to name a new venture, how to promote your services, or which direction to consider next, Popcorn and Noodle serves ideas that pop and stick. Don't go crazy. Go to popcornandnoodleideas.com. Creative solutions serve daily. Alternative Talk 1150. Talk radio for the body, mind, and soul. Don't ask me to talk. Welcome back to the show. Before the break, I was doing my typical rant and ramble with Sheila Bauer. It's so hard for me to not say Sheila Kelly, so I have to just like slur in. Um, And then during the break, Sheila was telling me that girls been on the radio before. It was like a little while ago, but like she's done this before. Yeah, I have actually. And I was having fond memories um, of my one and only previous uh, radio appearance. If, do you say appearance? I don't even know. Um, <laughs> I don't know. You're a talent. I know. Exactly. So I think when I was about, I don't know, I was in high school, maybe 10th grade. I don't know. Ninth grade. There was a program called Youth Speaks Up. And they gathered a bunch of us around the t- a table and, and we had a topic and, you know, we all just shared our ideas and um, there must've been about seven or eight of us. I, I remember I was the only one from Stewart and I think they were just from other schools in the area. And the one topic that I remember talking about was uh, gun control. So uh, I'm a little, I have to be honest, um, you know, you were not effective. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm feeling. I'm feeling a little ineffective right now. As the I'm lone feeling... voice talking about gun control 40 years ago or 30. No, it's not 40 years ago. It's, it's 30. 40 years. It's like 30 something years ago. Yeah. Um, I mean, you were you were a drop in the bucket, unfortunately. Yeah. Not much has changed. Yeah. People are still Nothing. talking about gun control. We really are. And I honestly, everything is still exactly the same. Oh, yeah. So here yep. we are. Hey, but at least we're talking about it, question mark. And uh, on the radio, uh, yeah. everything on old radio is new. Again. Everything old is new again. Yep, exactly. So so what I love oh, is. big fuzzy microphones that I also remember, like those like styrofoamy like microphones oh. that were like clown nose ones. I, I would end up wanting to be like. Wah, wah. Yeah. But you do want to be like that. Yeah. Now I I have the whole headphone thing where I feel like I want to do like the Band-Aid, Live Aid thing where I'm like singing We oh, Are the yeah. World. Yeah, it's very hard for me to not do that every time I have I come in here. Really? Oh, are you kidding? I'm like living out all of my like youthful fantasies of singing bad <laughs> ballads and stuff. Yeah. So anyway, um, okay, so I love that when we talked about preparing for the show and you were like, I don't know what to talk about. And okay, I'm going to read you pretty much verbatim what she said, which I love this, which is why I'm doing it. Um, You talked about, you know, you said, well, maybe I want to talk about something around how I've been preparing for the life that I'm living right now, which you're a youth minister in the Catholic Church. Um, But for 30 years, I thought I was training for a different life. Correct. I love that topic and I responded in all caps which I learned recently that when you respond to somebody in caps they think you're shouting but I'm that's me being excited yeah 
so it's it's well yeah but you can shout with excitement or you can shout with anger i mean you know i think caps are but it's it is shouting yeah well it reminds me of a prayer for owen meany which if you haven't ever Um, read that book there's a book by john irving called a prayer for owen meany and the author writes all of the parts that owen meany when he speaks it's all in capital letters correct it's quite something anyway So I love this topic that, like, I mean, you're just like, you're speaking a truth, sister. Like, I know. Your whole, like, our whole lives, you know, we're kind of, I don't know, I keep thinking of it as like feathering a nest of sorts. I mean, I know most people think of that as just family, but, you know, whatever your nest is, and you're gathering all of these bits from all these different parts of your life, and, you know, you're making this space that's truly yours and I'm I so agree with you like yeah well I feel like so partially I think why I thought of that topic is because of course you as you started off by saying we went to high school together so when I think about um talking to you or or any of our um classmates you know I always have to think about being a teenager and what was my life like then compared to what it's like now and and now weirdly i work with teenagers so i i'm often thinking about you know how they the you think that when you're a teenager that that you're going to take you're going to take x y and z step or that adults also you also think that adults have it all figured out which you know <laughs> like the big lie <laughs> huge lie I, which you know i've just really decided we never actually figure it out and we'll just go to the grave, never figuring it out, which is, which, you know, is fine by me. But, um, but anyhow, so yeah, I thought that when I was in high school, like I was in, I wanted to have a certain kind of career or a certain kind of, um, mostly I guess career in a way, uh, that I thought that, and I never in a hundred, in a million years, if you had told me when I was 15 or 16 years old and you said, oh, well, actually, Sheila, you know, your dream job is going to turn out to be working in youth ministry in the Catholic Church. I would have thought you were really bananas. I I don't know that I would have been able to put words to it, but I can tell you that I'm not surprised now and it wouldn't have surprised me. Like if I was standing next to you when that person said that to you, you'd be like, what? No. And I'd be like, oh, yeah, totally. But isn't that weird? I, you know, like I think that you have such an enthusiasm and like such a youthful spirit, and you had it then, and you had that unabashed enthusiasm where you were like, I don't care if everyone thinks that I'm like a big dork or whatever it is. Like, come on, everybody. Like, you know, you're all dorks too, just pretending that you're not. Like, let's do this. Let's stay in touch. Let's have fun. Um, And so it doesn't surprise me that you're working with youth. And I think that your faith has been a driving force through your life. And it was such a huge part of your mom's life. Yeah, well, that's that's true. And, And that's a funny thing. Right. So, I mean, I just I never thought of it as such a huge part of my life. And of course it was, but it was just my life, you know, and. Um, as you know, I went to, I went to, before I went to Stewart, I was at Catholic school. And <clears throat> um, so I feel like a bit of a cliche. And that's one thing I also 
don't think I ever wanted to grow up to be a cliche, but here we are. Um, but I went to Catholic school and the nuns and the whole thing. And actually, when I was at Stewart, one of the things I did really love and was very formative was um, all the service we had to do. Uh-huh. And um, and then I carried that on to, into college. And I never thought of myself as a particularly faithful person or um but it was just always sort of there. It was something we shared as a family. It was something I was very at home in. And it followed me through college and graduate school and and so on. And then when I had my own kids. And so um, it was funny when I had, when I applied for the job or I had to, I was asked to apply and I had to write a resume. And so I was on, and you know how you have like different resumes for different mm-hmm. things. Well, this is my like teaching resume, or this is my whatever business resume, and here's my church resume. I never, I was like, okay. <laughs> so when I had to start doing like a, a church resume, I thought I wasn't going to have anything to say. But then I was like, wow, boy, like this is clearly where I was meant to be going. And uh, now I look back on that and I think, huh, that is so interesting to me. You have um, always done things in service, like the businesses that you've had. It's always been ultimately in service to people that you connect with. Yeah, 100 percent. Definitely. Um, yeah. And I, I, I you know, um, before. <laughs> well, the funny thing is, I mean, I did make this crazy leap from. Uh, before I started working for the church, I was a small, I owned a small business, uh, which was a women's, an all women's fitness studio, mm-hmm. which uh, I, I apologize to every gym teacher I ever had. I think I only had one, <laughs> Carol Florkevich. <laughs> well, you know what? She was cranky anyway, so you don't owe her an apology. <laughs> Um, um, my, my favorite, my favorite, um, unit was always square dancing. So that gives you some idea of, you know, where my athletic ability is, um, (laughs) again, unbridled, unabashed enthusiasm. (laughs) (laughs) But the thing is, I guess one of the things I was thinking of is when I, when I went, when I bought the fitness studio, when I went into the business for myself, I was, I think, trying to pursue this life that I thought, I had been training for and, you know, to be a woman in business to, or to not that business per se, but to be the executive of something, right. Right. To be in charge of something and um, to have it be my own and control a lot of the outcomes and be my own boss. And I, I think that as a young person, I felt like that was where I wanted my career to ultimately go. Mm-hmm. Um and it's not all it's cracked up to be. It is so not all it's cracked up to be. And I, you know, kudos to all of all of the women. And this is not to detract. And I think that's what I what I was trying to say um, when I was emailing you is is you know I think a lot of of as we age is realizing is being honest about our mistakes and being honest about really who we truly are and where like where our strengths truly lie. And I I don't think I was bad at all of it certainly. I was no. bad at some of it. It was not, it was not for, ultimately it was not for me. Um, and, but having, going from that to where I am now and the difference, it's just so, it's very, to me, it's very stark. Uh, it was a but, successful experiment <laughs> trying on 
the life that you thought you were supposed to lead, the life that you thought equated success. Right. And it turns out that you didn't need that to feel successful and to feel fulfilled. Correct. And that's why, you know, this topic so resonated with me because so many of us, as you say, you know, you're in high school and it's like, you know, what are you going to do? What are you going to school for? I don't, I'm going to school because my parents told me I'm going to school, honestly. Right. Like, you want to know what I'm going to school for? I'm going because that's what we do next. Um, <laughs> you know, and then in my case, I failed out after two years. So that backfired. Um, <laughs> so it turns out that, you know, I, I went to school to fail out and then get married and grow up over the course of my marriage and figure out who I am as a wife, a mother, and then try to figure out who I am in between all of that, as you say, in that that other space. You know, if I'm not defined by my relationship with someone else in relationship to myself and my definition of professional success, whatever that is, um, you know, what does that look like? Well, I never really thought about it. Um, I was like, I don't know. I'll be all right. (laughs) I mean, I just, I really, I never, I never had any specific um, thoughts about what I was going to do. Um, I just didn't. I Maybe I was, maybe I just knew that I, whatever happened, I'd get there and it would be fine. But I do agree with you that, you know, I knew more like what I thought it was going to look like. And it was like, oh, I'm... I'm married and we're happy and, you know, we live in a house and I've probably got kids and, uh, you know, we have a couple of cars. I don't know. It was all about the physical trappings. And I think that messes us up. It does. It does mess us up. And I think that that's the thing that I see more and more. And, you know, it's funny, you mentioned my mother and um, she, she passed away uh, about uh, five years ago now, five and a half years ago. And she, she was such a funny person. Uh, but one of the things that she said when, um, as she got older, she was great at giving her stuff away. Like she didn't want a lot of stuff, you know, lots of people collect a lot of things. And as she got older, she really started to just throw things out and all those little tchotchkes she didn't like. And, and actually she, one time she was really funny. I I asked her about something and she's like, Oh, I got rid of that. She's like, I know it was nice. I liked it, but I didn't like the person who gave it to me. So (laughs) right. Anyway. So, and she would just say, she would say, Sheila, they're just things. They're just things. And, um, and as I've gotten, and I, I mean, I'm obviously not anywhere near my mother's age, but I, I really appreciate that wisdom mm-hmm. um, in a way that I learned, sadly, through her passing. But, you know, those those things are just things, mm-hmm. really. And um, and some of the, and the things, air quotes, that we worry about so often are really just physical, tangible things that we own or hold on to or, you know, and... It's true. It doesn't, yeah. I've been going through this with the remodel of the kitchen. We also turned our traditional dining room into, um, I love that um, shout out to the designer that I'm working with, Chrissy. She calls it the speakeasy <laughs> because it's basically a bunch of comfy chairs with martini tables and like a bar against the window. So, you nice. know, it's like a speakeasy. Um, and so we got rid of the dining room table, which had been in our family, my family, um, it belonged to my grandparents. So, 
you know, it's like I felt this like, ooh, you know, am I allowed to give away this this dining room table and these different items? And when my mom came out and visited recently and we were going through things, she was like, oh, for goodness sakes, get rid of it. You know, I had linens that were given to me for my wedding um, that apparently I I was supposed to be a debutante or something. And, you know, and then she had those linens and she was like, well, I pawned them off to you so that you could deal with them. And, you know, and now get rid of them. Um, and, you know, it's like and we pass the baggage on. Right. It's like here now you deal with it. And um, so, you know, and my mom is doing the same thing aside from collecting readers and small containers for medicine and chip clips. You know, she's generally. Um, not as attached to things as she probably once was. And it's just so interesting that, you know, all that training to have this life and it wasn't, it didn't prepare us to realize how simple it could be, just like leaning into who we are. Right. Yeah. And just, you know, the things that we need, we don't, we just need so much less than we think we do. You know, we don't need, um, it, like you said, the big dining room table maybe or or whatever it is. I'm sure we, everybody listening could think of the one thing that they have in their ha- their their lives that's a tangible thing that they're, they're kind of holding on to that they don't need. They don't even um, like it. They, they may like, not even like it. Right? Like, you know, there's maybe a story behind it it's like or maybe not and they don't even know the story or the story is wrong. Yeah, or or they have another object or thing that could tell the same story, you know. Like how many how many you know one of the things I think about is so my mother she did collect Hummels and and she did even start to give away her Hummels, you know those little like yeah. West German figurines, yep. you know. And she did start to part with those. She did love those for many many years, but she did start to sort of give those away here and there. And um, but you know how many Hummels do I really need to remember <laughs> that my mother loved to collect Hummels? <laughs> Right. Right. Well, and if it's not your thing, then it's like, you know, I don't really need these. Well, and the funny thing about it is that I, a few years ago, bought this really great painting of a man who close up kind of looks like the actor Kevin Klein, And it's in this gorgeous frame and whatever. And I have it on the wall behind me at home. So when I'm on Zoom calls, people comment all the time like, oh, is that a family member? Who is that? I'm like, I have no idea. I literally bought it at an auction house for like $30 and it came framed. It came framed and I have no idea who it is. And I've given it life in a new way. And this person, I'm sure, is someone's loved one or the president of a bank or, you know, I don't know who he is, but I, I've given this whole thing life. And that's the other thing. It's like passing on the things that we don't need or we're not meant to do, leaves room for other people to enjoy them and do them. Right? Yeah, that's so wise. I'm so wise. Well, I feel like I have to take a break now because that doesn't happen often. So like that's a perfect taking a break point. So keep listening. Um, We're going to talk some more uh, when we come back from the break. Uh, Sheila Kelly Bauer is my guest today on Don't Ask Me to Talk. We'll be right back. Talk. 
Hi, I'm JDK Winnikin, host of This Show Is All About You. If you're like me, you seek many things in your life. Adventure, meaning, belonging, you have dreams and you want fun, and of course, you want love. And we also want other people to join us along the path. But what happens when you don't know how to have all that or where to start? Well, join me every week to learn more about how, because I am just like you. So join me each week here on KKNW for This Show Is All About You, a show about how you and me become we and what that means for all of us. And be sure to visit my website, wordsbyjdk.com. Stacey Heller is many things, entertaining yet enlightening. She's a talk show host channeling her inner Fallon. Like Winston Wolf, she's a fixer who gets things done with style. Practical, like Dr. Ruth. Stacy isn't afraid of the uncomfortable when searching for answers. She's your biggest fan and sees your potential before you do. Most of all, Stacy Heller is a synapse who can connect impulses and ideas about your business and yourself into possibility. To connect with Stacy, go to stacyconnects.com. Stacy Connects. It's her superpower. Be sure to support the sponsors of your favorite shows on Alternative Talk 1150. Don't ask me to talk. Welcome back to Don't Ask Me to Talk. Before the break, Sheila and I were talking about this whole idea that we prepare for this life when we're younger, that we've built up this fantasy of what success looks like, whether we're a man or a woman, it doesn't matter. But I think women are especially good at the narratives. Listen to the top of the show and you'll know what I'm talking about because I'm really good at imperceptions. Um, And then it turns out that it's really simple. And I go back to my philosophy that if you think about what you were interested in or good at when you were around seven or in second grade, um, there's a chance that there's a thread that connects you to what you're doing now, which I would say you were going through your first Holy Communion. (laughs) I probably was. Right? And you probably had a great old time doing that. So, and now here you are, you're a youth minister for uh, your church. Yes, correct. And I love that. And I assume that you're helping, because you said you work with teens, um, you're helping them prepare for confirmation? Correct. So I have all the, I have ninth, I have high school teens, so ninth to 12th grade. And I do a, a major part of my job is preparing for confirmation. Okay. Interesting. Um, so one of the things that we talk a lot about um, at home because my kids are all in that 18 to 25 year range. So they're all like, especially woke. <laughs> And they like talking about like, you know, real topics, meaty topics. And so naturally that involves like race, religion, politics, the whole thing, gun control. Um, And so when the topic of religion comes up, we have that conversation about um, faith versus religion. Is it really versus are they interchangeable? Um, You know, is there a difference Thoughts on that? Thoughts on that. Well, first, I think that um, I will say I, one of the things I didn't mention before is, of course, politics was my very first love. So oh, yes. um, I always thought that I would be in politics. So to me, this is actually a little bit near and dear to my heart to have the, the two discussions together. So, um, yeah, because you think, describe yourself as a liberal and a Catholic. 
correct. I do. Um, and I'm not alone. I think there's a lot of us actually. Uh, here I am. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there are, there are quite a few of us. I would actually say, you know, probably argue all the religious of the sacred heart probably fall into that category. We're like the Jesuits, um, right? Yeah. Sort of like that. Yep. Sort of. Yep. Definitely. So, um, I guess I think that for me, so, I mean, I'm going to be honest and, and this is, this is a new way in some ways for me to be speaking. And, um, but I think because I'm part of the Christian faith, I, you know, first there's the relationship with Jesus and, and entering into that relationship with Jesus and sort of understanding um, how, how he calls us to live in a certain way. Mm-hmm. And then from there, yes, there's, there's multiple, there's different Christian religions. Um, but I think at, at the heart of it, Christianity is a, is a relationship with a person. So n- it's, n- it's neither <laughs> um, faith nor religion, right? It's a, re- to me, it's a relationship and, and the relationship good that I'm answer. trying to have. You're, that's good. Okay. Keep going. The okay. relationship you're trying to have. <laughs> I love that. Uh, and I have to say, you know, sometimes, Stacey, I'm like a total fraud because, you know, I have no degree in theology. No. I have no. That's, that is, that is I'm... not, you're a subject matter expert on yourself. And I asked you the question. So yes. there you I go. Know, but, but, uh, you know, so if there's any, but I'm just saying, if there's any theologians out there, don't call in and give Stacey a hard time. <laughs> Um, but anyhow, so I, it's hard to me. It's, it's a relationship with Jesus and, and everything else kind of, um, flows from that. And so, um, you know, if, if you want to have a relationship and grow in relationship, just like, you know, you're talking about your, your parents or your family, your husband and your children, you know, those are people that you have regular contact with, right? Mm -hmm. You, you speak to them, you send them text messages, you remember them on their birthday, um, you give them gifts for no reason, um, and you you probably have some, um, uh, what am I trying to say, <clears throat> like um, rituals around your relationship with them, like you celebrate certain, you know, your wedding anniversary or a particular birthday yep. or you know, whatever it is, like your first date, things like that. And um, so first of all, our relationship with, with Jesus, uh, is similar in that, you know, we have to, we have to put into that relationship, uh, the same effort that we would put into our personal relationship. So communication, um, which is prayer, uh, mm-hmm. or meditation um, or, you know, like yeah. it may look more like my mom will say um, she does like lots of novenas or um, mm-hmm. she does, you know, she'll say the rosary or something like right. that. Um, mine looks less formal and it's less scripted. Um, I mean, that doesn't mean I'm like, oh, my God. And I don't consider that a prayer. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it, it means that I'm much more meditative um, and conversational. Yeah. Well, yeah. And it's, I mean, it is, it's just that it ha- it can be a conversation. I mean, there's, there's obviously a place for the, the memorized prayers. Um, but, but at the end of the day, it's really whatever conversation, however that looks for you. Um, Annie Lamott wrote this great book. Uh, I, I always kind of mess up the title, but it's something like, thanks, please. Or thanks. Wow. Help 
or something like that. And it's basically like this, these, there's basically three prayers, like, wow, which I think is gratitude, please, which is of course asking for something and help or, or things, but anyway, whatever it's that it's basically that conversation that you okay. want to have where you're like, um, and I feel like often my, you know, my prayer life or my conversations with God are kind of a hot mess. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of interrupted sentences <laughs> uh, and, you know, like, Oh, sorry. Tangents. Um, I start off praying for one thing and next thing I know, I'm like praying for an idea for dinner or something, but, um, Hey, I yeah. Mean, <laughs> that a is thing. a real, that is a real challenge. Uh, it's help. Thanks. And help. Thanks. Wow. The three essential prayers. Yeah. Help. Thanks. And well, thank you. Uh, yeah. So, so I, um, so I think that, that, yeah, prayer can look like anything. Uh, you know, prayer can be music. It can be art. It can be exercise. It can be, um, walking, you know, as you said, meditation, um, you know, any, any of those things can be, can be prayer. If we're trying to have a conversation with God, Right. Well, because, you know, using the gifts that you've been given um, with purpose and in service, um, you know, part of my daily prayer is expressing gratitude for the gifts that I've been given and um, a desire to use them with purpose and in service to myself and others. And I don't forget the fact that they are meant to be used in service to myself. It's the whole put on the oxygen mask for yourself before you Mm -hmm. help others. And so I've been given this body, um, this brain, you know, these talents, I, in a way, using them is a prayer of sorts. Um, I, I, I'm so excited for the next conversation about religion versus faith, because the way that my kids view it is um, faith being um, a relationship with something that, you know, uh, you may not be able to prove it's there, but believing that there's something that's bigger than you um, mm-hmm. and and, you know, kind of going with that. And then religion, they feel, is the structure that's been put around um, sure. that. And yeah. they don't necessarily love the the structure all of the time. Um, you know, they're like, Jesus is my home, dude, because, you know, they'll talk about, you know, didn't Jesus stand outside the temple and tell people like, you know, hey, um, these people are cons, you know, (laughs) so you know, it's like and here we are going and, you know, we're putting money in and, you know, everybody's preaching and it's political and all this kind of stuff. So it's a very interesting uh, dynamic conversation at home. And what I think is interesting, though, is that all four children have chosen to go to a Catholic Jesuit school. Yeah. And so, um, you know, the faith that we have as a family is is that constant conversation um, or relationship, as you say, um, in figuring it out. And I love the fact that my children are open to having that conversation and furthering that dialogue. And I think that, you know, that's where the Holy Spirit comes in. Like when you are open to it, when you want, when you have curiosity, when you have questions, that's the thing that I tell my teens right now. We use, we do this program and it's all about the questions, you know, because that's, that's natural. I mean, I still obviously have questions, but I think when you're a young adult and a teenager, 
you have a lot of questions about faith because you're really challenging, you know, yeah, like you see people act hypocritically and you see, and you say like, well, what's the point if everybody's, you know, you're going to go to church, but, but be hypocritical in this other aspect of your life or, um, or the classic mom move where you go into church and you're talking through your clenched teeth and you're like, if you act badly in church, I will kill you. And then, you know, you go into church and you're like, oh, and then, you know, you come out and it's like, mom, I was good. And it's like, I'm still mad at you. It's like, what? Did we learn nothing about forgiveness during church? (laughs) First of all, we're all slow studies. You know, that's, that's like the human condition. We're slow studies, hard to, hard to change us, hard for some of these hard lessons to sink in. Uh, But, you know, Pope Francis has this great, uh, quote that he says, you know, it's not, you know, well, he says it about the Eucharist. The Eucharist is not the reward for the perfect. It's, it's the, it's medicine for the, for the, for the injured, for the wounded, medicine for the wounded. And he says that about the Eucharist. And I think you can apply that to, to religion or what as well. And I, I really can't speak to other faiths per se, um, because this has just been my home and I, I really am not well versed on, on the way other people do things, but uh, we, you know, it, I think here, we, you know, when you say like, oh gosh, you know, that there's all these these mistakes and these things, and this is where my like little political heart comes in, and I'm saying, you know, gosh darn it, I'm sticking by it because, you know, yeah, I don't want to. That's why I vote. I never miss a vote because <laughs> I figure if I don't vote, I get, to, I have to, I lose my ability to affect change and. You know, this is why I don't leave. I mean, I don't leave for a lot of reasons, but one of the reasons why I don't leave is I feel like the church needs me and it needs the voice of your children too. And they think they often feel like they don't have that voice. Mm -hmm. I tell my teens all the time, you know, you're not the church of the future. You're the church of today Um, because, you know, and and when they look at the church and they say, oh, I don't like this. I don't like that. I don't like, you know, but you, we need your voice. Like if you don't stay and, 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 um, contribute your voice to, to the body of Christ, then, then it becomes weaker, right? It becomes weaker and quieter and more silent. And we need that, um, you know, to, to continue to be vibrant and continue, you know, just like, um, you know, we all appreciate different colors or flavors or whatever. It's the same, the same here. Well, and what is exciting to witness is, is the movement, I mean, you know, the church, people would argue that it's, you know, like watching grass grow, the change that happens. And yet... Yeah, it is a little. Well, it is. And yet I would also argue, like, look at the messages that have been sent out about, you know, homosexuality in the church. And that, you know, basically it's like, I don't want to turn anybody away from having a relationship with Jesus and with the Eucharist. Um, You know, and that's what our Pope is saying. And you know, um, divorced people and, you know, just these changes, um, you know, that's really important. And, you know, and I love the fact that, you know, you talk about being a liberal and a Catholic. I'm the same. I'm the same way. Um, There are certain things that I absolutely believe. And yet um, there is a gray area. And, you know, and, and one of the things in, in, at least in Catholicism, there's a phrase, there's both, both and, you know, there's some things that we can hold, we can be people of contradiction, we can be people of, um, you know, 
that that hold some of these things together and um it doesn't have to be all or nothing you know we're people of both the bible and um uh tradition you know and things like that so it, it doesn't have to be all or nothing for me anyway that's why i part of the reason why i love um the catholic church so much is its richness and its complexity um for me, it's just, I, I, I do love that part of it, but of course at the heart of it, you know, is like I said, that, that relationship, it begins and ends, um, with that for me. <clears throat> and, uh, yeah. So, um, now, um, we only have, believe it or not, we only have a couple more minutes. Um, tell me then, um, tell me about then raising your kids to be faith filled. Like, do they embrace it? Are they like, uh, I mean, I think it was a little weird when their mom became the church lady. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) You're no Dana Garvey. (laughs) I don't even think they get the joke, actually. I know, know, right? Like, some of the references that I have are so dated. Uh, Dana Garvey, he was on SNL. He did a thing about church lady, for those of you that don't know. Look it up. Um, Uh, (laughs) Go on to the YouTubes. Exactly. Um, (laughs) So, anyway. uh, Yeah, so... It was challenging because honestly, I just realized, you know, if I want my kids to have a, um, a faith life, a, a prayer life, I had to be willing to sort of, because it's, I don't think it's always comfortable to have these conversations. And, um, you know, we live in a very liberal community and I think it's a very secular community. And I think that, um, so I think it was, it was hard. So I just really tried to be involved in the church as much as I could uh-huh. and to go to mass whenever I could. I was by no means like, a, like a, you know, every single Sunday, never miss one kind of person um, at all, like by any stretch of the imagination. But I really felt like it was something that they were, they, they were used to and they knew, um, you know, I, I, um, I volunteered a lot because I didn't really like how we were doing faith formation at our, our parish. Yep. And so I wanted to be involved in that. Uh to be able to influence my kids in that way. But one of the things I learned or read when I first started in this job was you cannot give what you do not have. And for me, that was about my prayer life. So honestly, in the last two or three years, two years, I guess, that I've been in this role, one of the things I've really tried to um, focus on in myself is my own personal prayer life, because I feel like I can't give that to the young people that I work with now, unless I have it myself. Um, I can't speak to the benefits or the, the fruits of prayer unless I have had that experience myself. And I would say the same is true. You know, I can't speak to, um, you know, if you never, <laughs> like, um, so at Christmas, we always did, my mother had started this tradition a very, like 65 years ago, which was to bake a birthday cake for Jesus. We Christmas. did the same thing, which, by the same way, thing. we only have like a minute, but yes. Happy birthday, baby Jesus. Okay, so my niece, sorry, I hope she's not listening, but <laughs> <laughs> we we did this, um, her her daughter, so my great, my grandniece, I guess, was there, and she was like 10, and we're singing happy birthday, and she was like, who are we singing, and this is going Christmas, who are we singing happy birthday for? That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, you gotta, right. you can't it's, give what you don't have. I love that. That is that's amazing. We do that too. I still do it with my kids. They love that. Um, yeah. And frankly, after all the Christmas cookies, they're ready for a little birthday cake. So there yeah, you go. Birthday cake. Yep. 
Thank you for this uh, conversation, Sheila. I loved, A, catching up with you, and B, having like a grown-up real talk. So thank you. You're welcome. I mean, I'll ask you to talk anytime. Um, All right. So thank you to you. Thank you to Eric. Next week, my guest is Nancy Cantor of Cantor Consulting and the Dream Factory. She helps you be the chief dream officer of your own life. And she's in Massachusetts. Anyway, have a great week, everyone. Stay connected.